Hello, beautiful. Welcome to Becoming You. I'm your host, Shirley Williams, and I am so excited to share these conversations. My mission is simple. Inspire women to lead extraordinary lives. Whether it's relationships, romance, hard conversations, careers, families, and everything in between, I got ya. It's time we stop letting our limiting beliefs and the beliefs of others guide us. It's time we set our intentions higher than anything else and soar. Life is too short and this is not a dress rehearsal. Here we go. Hello, ladies, and maybe a few gentlemen. Welcome back to Becoming You. Today's episode is a solo show. And today I want to talk to you about failure versus feedback. Failure versus feedback. I think it's really important to talk about the language we use with ourselves, how it affects how we show up, what we do, the activities we partake in, the conversations we have, and our overall ideas of what failure is. So the first thing I want to say is, why is this important? Well, if we're going to do hard things, if we're going to dream big, if we're going to make bold moves, then there's a good possibility that we're going to fail. What if we change the word failure into feedback? What if this game of life that we are all playing is just opportunity to continue to grow, evolve, pivot, and become better humans? What if there's no such thing as failure? What if everything was just information? You know, we talk about needing this idea of like contrast, happy, sad, cold, hot, um, excited, bland, whatever the opposite is. And I think that we do need the opposites because the only way, the only way we know something is really good is if we also know what it feels like to be really bad. The only way we know happy is to also know sad. So a lot of the times we need the, the contrast of life. But if we could stop shitting on ourselves, if we could stop thinking every time we do something, we somehow have failed versus this is great opportunity for feedback, I think we would try harder. I think we would do things that scared us more. I think that we would take bolder moves. A lot of times we don't like failure. No one likes to think I failed at something. And a lot of times that idea or the language we use around that is I don't want to try because I don't want to disappoint myself. I don't want to feel stupid. I don't want to look silly. I don't want to disappoint the people around me. I don't want anyone to see me embarrassed, uncomfortable. But here's the deal. Again, the deal of life, the game of life. 
I really believe that nothing great happens in our comfort zone. And there's lots of opportunity to be unpredictable. You know, just today I was having a conversation about our mortgage and our mortgage is coming up for renewal. And do we do fixed or do we go with, um, you know, an open mortgage where things will change in that sense? I might want predictable. I might want to know these are the household expenses. This is what I'm looking at and know what's coming for me. What I know that I don't want is predictability in the way that I live. Predictability in the way that I show up. Predictability in the career that I'm building. Predictability with my clients. There's, there's a time for predictability. What if we stepped greater into the possibility? What if all of our experiences were feedback? Not good or bad, just feedback. How do you know that you're thriving if you're not making bold moves? How do you know if you're succeeding if you're not trying something uncomfortable. If you're going to do hard things, there's a really good chance that you're going to need some feedback along the way. Can you see the lessons? Can you sit in some disappointment? Can you have the conversations and recognize that in this life, There's going to be opportunity and the only way that opportunity comes and the only way we grow and evolve is if we're getting feedback on some level. So about three weeks ago, my partner Andrew and I went to Ohio. Andrew had registered himself signed up for a hundred mile run. First time that he has ever embarked on such a challenge. He comes from the world of endurance and he's done many Ironman in his life and he's always finished them. He knew that if he was just in for the long haul, that eventually he would finish. He never challenged his time. Was it uncomfortable? I would imagine at some point it was uncomfortable, but he also knew that he could bike, run, and swim. Swim, bike, and run is the order. So if he trained in all those three disciplines and he had the day carved out and he was fed properly and his bike was tuned and his running shoes were ready and his wetsuit was on, he could finish the day. However, he had no idea what 100 miles would look like. And so there we were in Ohio, just the two of us, with a car full of snacks and nutrition and four pairs of running shoes and a change of clothes 
and some extra socks and lots of hydration. He had trained for this. He had done long days, long weekends. He put in 100 kilometer runs, 50 mile runs. He had done the work. He had enjoyed the journey of the process of training for this race. People kept asking, oh, 100 miles, how long would that take you? And he said, I don't know, but I'm in for the long haul. I think it it gives you 36 hours was the the length of the the race, and and then they shut down. And so we got to Ohio a day early. I was extremely nervous for him, for the support that I was going to offer him. We had had conversations. We had tried the best to make the plans of where I would meet him and what would that look like. And we even stayed at a different hotel where the majority, away from the majority of the runners. And the morning of, there was a woman downstairs getting coffee and I said to her, oh, are you, are you running? And she said, no, I'm supporting. And I said, oh, hey, I'm supporting also, you know, my partner's never done this before. And what can I expect? And she said, good luck to you. And I said, well, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what he'll need. And she said, he won't know what he'll need. So you have to. And I thought to myself for a moment, I don't think that either one of us has any idea what we're going into and just at the time I was asking her you know how long should this take Andrew came down and heard the end of the conversation and said to me you need to stop asking people and I could tell he was anxious and I was anxious and we we went to the starting line and I said goodbye as he took off and I slowly walked back to the car and I started to cry I was so overwhelmed for him because maybe on some level, I knew that this was just going to be about feedback, feedback for the next run, feedback for the next support group. And I was so proud of him for leaving that start line in the morning without really knowing we had no idea like no idea and I went back to the hotel and it was pretty early in the morning and both of us hadn't really slept all that well and I got back into bed and I I tried to just relax a little bit and journal and spend some time visualizing this outcome of meeting him the next morning and walking through the finish line together I had lots of questions. Where does my car go? Who gets me back to my vehicle? Um, What happens in the middle of the night? How much food is he going to need to eat? Should I have packed something different? And about two hours later, I heard from him and he was, you know, I don't know, 15 miles in, let's say. And I met him at the second stop. The drive there was so long and I thought, oh my God, this is like 40 minutes out and he's ran this. And his knee was bothering him. We talked a little bit about what he would need. And he said, I don't know what I need. And we were 30 miles in. And 
he said, you know, I'm not walking so well. And I wasn't quite ready to just give up. But I still knew that there was going to be feedback from this. And the funny story was, there we were in a parking lot with a YouTube video on how to K-tape someone's knee to stabilize it. (laughs) You know, pull 80%, pull 75%, wrap around 20%. And so I've taped up the knee, we've put on the compression tights, and I send him off of his off on his way to, you know, to the next stop, which would be another about 10, 10 miles out. And I get, and I sit in the car and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I, I, I keep thinking, don't go too far. And I get a text that says I'm turning around. And so I don't know that either one of us recognize the, the ramifications or the, the, the idea of what this would feel like to call it. But at the 30 mile mark, we called it. And both of us were quite naive going in. But here's the thing. If we didn't set a super high goal, we would have always wondered and imagined. And let me tell you, this was not the outcome we had thought. And so we went back to the hotel room and everything was quiet and he had a warm shower and we had dinner and it's taken him almost 10 days before we can actually have a conversation about it and he's ready to process it. The date is already set for next year and we know so much more. We've had so much feedback from this. 50% of all 100 mile races, 50% of people don't finish. We would never have known that statistic before that. We would never have imagined that. It was so different than the Ironman world. And so He has a full year now to prepare and we've started to make notes about things we might need and people we could uh, call in to help support and a pacer who would run with him in the middle of the night. And we are going to set ourselves up for such success. If we don't try, we never know. And then we always wonder. Now, I got to tell you, I live in the realm of possibility. I love that space. I love the fear before I try something new. I set my goals higher every time I cross the finish line in whatever activity that is that I'm doing of putting myself out there with a possibility of disappointment I become a different person. And in order for us to evolve and grow, we've got to do hard things. We've got to do hard things. And the following weekend, after this whole 100-mile race, I ran my first half marathon, 21.1 kilometers. I had no idea what was possible. The story that I told myself was, I don't have a runner's body. What if I have an asthma attack? 
what if I don't finish? And Andrew showed me what grace looks like. And I knew, regardless of the outcome of this half marathon, that I would be completely fine. And that I would also use that as feedback. Maybe not for another one, but as feedback to become a different person. Of noticing where I need to pivot, how I need to grow, what I need to set up so that I have success in my lifetime, so that I continue to show up and inspire. But when we don't take bold actions and we don't make big goals, we don't grow, we don't learn, we don't evolve. And then there's so many times that we sit back and thought, I wonder what that would have been like. I wonder what the possibility of that would have been. And I used to shy away from these things because I didn't want to be disappointed. I didn't want to be hurt. I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want people to know that it was important enough for me. What if I fail? What if you succeed? What happens then? And so I finished my half marathon. Thank you very much. And it was probably one of my most proud, inspiring moments of my entire life. Because in that moment, I had a new identity. And the identity was the Shirley Williams that does hard things and finishes them without knowing the outcome, but trusting the process. And so my question to you is, where are you playing small? It doesn't have to be an endurance um, challenge, although I highly suggest it. Where are you playing small in your life that you're not growing, that you're not evolving, that you're not shifting? What could be different and what is possible for you? Stop playing in the predictability of life. Take a bold move somewhere. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it is an endurance challenge. I actually think don't set yourself up for success, but set it up for possible failure. Halfway through the marathon, I was at the 10K mark, just under, like I think I was at like 9K. And I and Andrew ran with me. And I said to him, why didn't we just go for the 10K? And he said, because 10K would have been easy. And he wasn't wrong. I made the 10K. I actually made it all the way to the 15 kilometer mark with somewhat of ease, not completely, but pretty much success. The struggle came at the 15K mark. 
at the 16K mark, at the 17K mark. Every kilometer after the 15 was a struggle. And it then showed me how strong I was. It then showed me what was possible. It then pushed me even harder. That was the feedback. And once you get to the 17, 18K mark, you can't quit then. You're way too close. And so I leave you with this question. What area of your life are you playing small? What area of your life do you find yourself wishing, hoping, wanting? That's the area you need to make bold moves. That's the area you need to challenge yourself. Because here's the deal. Time is flying by. It is moving at hyper speed. And often, year after year, we're like, I can't believe it's just another year that's gone by. I still don't have that dream I was desiring. I'm still not making the money I had hoped for. I'm still not in my greatest relationship with myself. How many more years, months, days, minutes are going to go by? Stop wishing. Start doing. Use it as feedback. Flip the script on it. Think I'm going to show up today and I'm going to do this thing as feedback for what's next. Call in all the resources you need, all the inspiration. Keep those people and those things close to you while you are designing your life of great. The day after my race, Someone said to me, so what's next? Full marathon? I said, oh, no, I think the running's done. And then less than a week later, I was like, I wonder if I could beat my time next year. I wonder if I could go a little bit faster in another half marathon. And so it's coming. I know it. And the journey to get there is so sweet. Don't miss those moments. If you're taking bold moves and you see something in the distance that you want, build the bridge to get there. There are steps in it. There are steps in it. Build your bridge. Get to the other side. Take a moment today to think about where you are playing small. Where do you need to step up? And what does that look like? Let me know. I would love to hear from you. Ladies, thanks for tuning in this week. I absolutely adore you. If you resonated with this, if you have big goals that you're setting for yourself, if you know someone who needs to hear this podcast this week, share it, 
review it, love it. Every review matters. Every comment I read, message me, whatever it is that you need, I've got you. Again, the question is, where are you playing small? Where are you ready to step up? I also want to let you know that part of the B series masterclass, if you've been listening and following and joining the next masterclass of the B series is called be abundant. It's going to be about mindset, changing our mindset. And it happens November 6th, 7th and 8th. So the B series is three days together. Sunday, we have a conversation on what it means to live an abundant life. I'm going to focus a lot on changing our mindset, the language we use, how to show up abundantly. Monday morning, we have a yoga, breathwork, and meditation practice. And Tuesday, I have an open conversation, group coaching platform that you can bring your questions, bring your comments ideas and we will put some plans together for you to live your most abundant life you can check out the link in the show notes for this and i hope to see you soon ciao